This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to a special Tuesday Buckeye Talk. We're talking hoops. It's Doug Maurice and Stephen Means, and this is our basketball preview, Stephen, even though the season already started. Because I thought it did make sense. Listen, we're very football focused, as are many of the people listening to this podcast, and rightly so. We may do a little wrinkle of another basketball thing later in the week, but we wanted to give you this. Tuesday morning, we don't normally have a podcast on Tuesday. So this is a bonus podcast. It's not taking away from any basketball, but it's our basketball preview, Stephen, even though Ohio State played its first official game Monday night, because in a world where they're playing four freshmen and three transfers in the rotation, for sure, you know, why guess when you could wait for a little evidence? So we was it worth the wait? Did you get a was Robert Morris a Civil War general? Revolutionary War guy? I don't know. Did he take care of the horses in the in the Revolutionary War, maybe? Maybe brought people water? I'm not sure what Robert Morris did. I'm sure he was very brave. But the basketball team that he's named, that is named for him, was not very good. Ohio State won by, I don't know, 90. Did you get a sense, watching this Ohio State basketball team, did you get a sense, and I think the whole point of this is going to be not who they are, but who they might be, because who they are right now and who they're going to be in November and December isn't who they'll be by March. But did you get a sense from game one? Yes. And the score or the box score don't matter to me at all because Robert Morris is not very good. This is not you know, a big 10 opponent where it was in any question of whether Ohio State was going to win the game or not. So I almost didn't care about the score at all. I cared about watching individual players and getting a sense of, do I think he's very good regardless of what he looks like right now. And there was a lot of guys on this team who I could say yes about. And I think the best way to guide fans through what the next six months are going to look like, it's don't get emotional either way. Don't get too excited when you see something good happen and don't get too frustrated when you see something bad happen because you're going to see everything from the moon and back and this coaching staff even knows that they're having to tell themselves that sometimes that they have to kind of back off and just sometimes allow, you know, a nature versus nurture thing take its course a little bit. I will say that is a convenient thing for a head coach in year six to say, which is like, hey, 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 don't now <laughs> yeah. don't be judging us on wins and things like that right now. Yeah. It's almost like they tanked. I mean, honestly, it's almost like they tanked. Because they're, they're the ten guys in the rotation, right? Is Eugene Brown going to be in the rotation when he's healthy? He did not play yes. on Monday night. Yes. Okay. Yes. So it, then it looked like a nine man rotation. Eugene Brown will be number ten. Do you think that's right? 
Do you think that this team will go a little bit deep again? Four of those ten would yeah. be true freshmen. Three of them will be transfer are transfers who came in with a lot of experience. Is that what you sort of expect that it will be a bunch of dudes playing this season? Bunch of dudes playing, bunch of different starting lineups. They were doing a line change, like literal line changes, yep. like similar to what Kentucky did during the 14-15 season. We saw that at times, and so I flat out asked Holtman, is that just you trying to figure it out, or is that what we're going to see at times? He's like, yes, we're going to see some line changes. So, yes, there's going to be 10 guys who play, and all 10 guys, quite frankly, deserve to be in, this, in the rotation, given what either their experience level is or what their overall talent level is right now. So there was a time – when maybe, I don't know, sort of kind of felt like to me like, okay, well, Holtman, five years in, okay, everyone listening to this, if you've made it to minute four of this podcast and you care enough about basketball, you know Chris Holtman's deal. Good, not great. Solid, not spectacular. No NCAA tournament success. Decent in Big Ten play. And it felt like, okay, well, you got to give him to this class because this is a five-man class, very highly ranked for the five guys in the top 100 nationally. But now that we're here and there are three transfers who are playing big roles, it feels like those three transfers, Sean McNeil, a shooter, Isaac Likely, who's going to right have the ball in his hands a lot, and Tanner Holden, who's a scorer, that they are patches to help get through until these freshmen figure it out because they don't want to put Four of the five freshmen are going to play. Four of the five freshmen are going to be in the rotation. But they brought in some veteran guys, so there's not too much on the freshmen. But now it's also feeling to me like our year six is like, is it really about this year? Or is it really like, well, we're going to get the freshmen, let's get their feet under them, and then next year. And so then it's like, oh, no, wait. We'll wait until year seven of the Chris Holtman era until we really make a judgment. When I thought it was maybe like, well, wait till the freshmen. But it, maybe it feels not that. That it's not it's not like they're rolling the ball out and saying these guys are gonna lead us to the sweet sixteen. Or or is that the whole point that they're gonna work their way in and by March they might? All of the above to everything you just yep. said. Which is what's but, gonna so make this which is So no criticism, no criticism for the first three months, but then we might make the sweet oh. sixteen. How can I get that gig? How can I get that yeah. gig? It's it's Yeah, it's the I don't know if I don't know if patches is the best way to describe those transfers because it's not like they're playing a lot now and then we're going to get to February and they're not really playing. Those three guys are going to be in the rotation, but they 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 do they're kind of plug and play. The sem- they're they're the basketball version of Jonah Jackson and Tanner McAllister. That's exactly what they are. They provide this specific thing that this really talented group doesn't have, and whether that's experience or knowing what to do. Go ahead. <laughs> no, my wife was trying to come in. I was saying, "Don't come in." I'm okay. in my basketball mode. Sorry, okay. I'm in basketball Which, yeah, mode. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, let's start with the transfers, then, and then we can get to the freshman because I do think there's some intriguing things there. Isaac likely is basically Jay Sean Tate without the crazy athleticism and how he works for this team. So that means he's just you short. I mean? Yeah, Jay Sean Tate without <laughs> yes. crazy athleticism is just a tough short guy. He's just a tough short guy who. Okay. Is gonna have like seven points, seven rebounds, and like six assists every night. He just kind of—I don't know if he does anything elite, but he does everything really 
pretty good, which helps because he can kind of fill in the holes there. Let's see who else. Sean McNeil is the shooter. He's pretty much just an orange, but can actually shoot the ball <laughs> and can shoot it like on the move. It's not just give me the ball wide open in the corner and maybe I'll shoot it. Maybe I won't. There's not going to be that pump fake side dribble pass thing that we saw on the, they were running sets for him and he was getting good looks at it. So I like what that is. And then Tanner, Tanner um, Holden, Tanner Holden from right Tanner state, Holden right? from right state. He, I think he's the closest thing to a patch because there are some freshmen who can score, who can score at a high level, but you can't trust them to do anything else right now because they're true freshmen who are still figuring it out. And so Tanner Holden gives you another guy who can go get you 15 points alongside of justice suing so it doesn't feel like hey justice suing is the only guy on this team who can create his own shot who can also play 25 plus minutes because you can rely on him in other places so I, I i like now that i've seen them play basketball i like what those three bring to the table and it feels they don't feel like emergency pickups the same way i felt about last year's transfers with guys like cedric Ru- russell and jamari wheeler where it's like dude what is this these guys make sense Sean McNeil, Isaac Likely, both one-year guys. Tanner Holden does have two years of eligibility, so Tanner Holden Mm -hmm. could be around next year. Sean McNeil was the second-leading scorer for the worst team in the Big 12 last year at West Virginia. West Virginia went 4-14 in the Big 12. He averaged 12 points a game for them. Isaac Likely was playing 30 minutes a game at Oklahoma State since the minute he stepped on campus. He's a fifth-year guy. He has played a bunch of minutes, and he is a tough, solid veteran who's played uh, important minutes in a, in a major basketball conference. And then Tanner Holden is a step up, right? I mean, he went nuts in the first four for Wright State in the tournament yep. last year. Wright State, like, tied for third in the regular season on the horizon, won the conference tournament, made the NCAA tournament. Tanner Holden went crazy, got everybody's attention. So he's a leading scorer for Wright State. How does that translate at Ohio State? I will say I was looking a lot of preseason stuff, Stephen, and we're just looking for context here. I was looking for, like, you know, best newcomers, best freshmen, right? Ohio State has this this great five-person freshman class. They have these three transfers. And I know The Athletic did a list of the top 50 newcomers. No Ohio State people. So the, none of the three Ohio State transfers made it. And the yeah. top 50 impact newcomers, none of the freshmen made it. So I do think, like, I think in the bubble, and the little Ohio State bubble, it's like, oh, hey, here's all these new people. And it's like, well, there's new people everywhere because that's how college basketball works. It's always been that way with the one-and-dones. It's especially that, that way even more now with the transfers. And Ohio State doesn't have one of the 50 most impactful. It's a preseason thing, and it, things can be wrong. But that's some context there. It's like, great, this is fine. But there are a lot of teams that added players who are expected – to do more for their teams than anybody mm. new at Ohio State in a world where seven of the ten guys in the rotation are are new, and none of those seven made the athletics top fifty newcomers. So that is, I would have thought like, hey, the way like people around Ohio State are talking about it, it's like I don't know, but are there two or three Ohio State guys on that list? No, there's none. There's like five in the Big Ten, and none of them were Ohio State guys. Like like there's some. There's some Big Ten transfers. There's a, Illinois got a guy from Texas Tech, and Maryland got a guy from Charlotte, and Illinois got, got another guy from Baylor. They're on the list. There's no Ohio State guys on the list. So great, great. Isaac Likely and Sean McNeil and Tanner Holden, great. They're not that great. Like, they're not the best transfers in the country. So I just, like, we need – people have to have that context. As much as, like, mm-hmm. Ohio State wants to be excited about these guys, like, everybody gets new guys these days. 
So that's okay. We're not going to hold Ohio State accountable for losing transfers, whatever. But they didn't get like the best transfers in the country. They got some guys who can fill some roles. And that's great. It's better than not getting guys to fill roles. But I we make sure I like you know let's Tampa we have to all tamp it down a little bit you know no, this is not and that's why that's why players. I use the, the 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 Tanner McAllister thing there because it's like but what the problem when they not, bring in Tanner McAllister they're asking Tanner McAllister to be like the seventh best player on the defense they're not asking him correct. to be like a, so this is they're asking Tanner McAllister to maybe score 18 points a game and that's not what the Ohio State defense is asking Tanner McAllister to do so I I, I think it's I get your Tanner's, point. Yeah. But Tanner McAllister, there's more around him, so he fills a hole. Like mm. these guys, I get that they're, I get that they're filling roles, but it's like, well, then who's the number one guy? Like they're filling roles. It's like Sean McNeil, Isaac Likely, and Tanner Holden. I think are all good role players. Who are the stars? Like I don't know who are the like who are the who's the who's the headliner who's, of this team? Where's EJ and Malachi? Is that what you're asking right now? Um. So the, so I mean, again, it's great, great, great. But like, that's that they don't have any. So like, they didn't the the preseason poll that that Adam Jardy at the Dispatch and and Brendan Quinn from the Athletic does first and second team All Big Ten, no Ohio State guys in that group of ten, mm-hmm. right? Nobody in these newcomers. And as good as the freshman group is, there's not like a lottery pick in here. So all I'm saying is, not now, not a one and done lottery pick probably. So I'm not saying no. like it, it, it's bad. But I'm just saying, like, it doesn't – it does – I thought maybe it was a now year. I don't know if it's a now year. It feels like it's a get ready for next year year. It was unless a now next year. year. Unless next year is a get ready for next year, the <laughs> next year year, maybe. Oh, Chris Holtman in year 11, just wait till he gets his feet under him. Just a decade to get his feet wet and then boom, shakalaka. So I don't know. Was I wrong? If I if, – if I – Doug Maurice. At this point, somewhat casual Ohio State basketball observer. If I thought, oh, no, this might be a now year, was I just wrong to think that all the way along? Or has the context changed a little bit? I think you were right to think that before Malachi decided Mm. that he was a first-round draft pick in January. Okay. Because that's the thinking there was, ooh, Malachi is like right there. He's like a Trey Burke. He's right there on the edge, but he's not quite. But he can go from right there on the edge to top ten draft pick just by coming back for year two, and then there's your star. And if you if Malachi Branham is on this team right now, so let's just say they don't go get Tanner Holden because Malachi is still here. Malachi is your leading scorer. Justice Sony is number two, and it's like those two allow the freshmen to come along at their own pace, along with Isaac Likely and uh, Sean McNeil also being here. I think this is like a Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight team, but. You don't have Malachi Branham here. You don't have the NBA player here. So you can't live in that world anymore. And so context has changed a little bit. It's I don't think it's necessarily completely wait till next year. Though this team is going to be very good next year. I do think it's let's get to January. Figure it out. See who's like come along and who's not. And then we can have a real conversation about what's actually possible here. But I do think the... Upside of upsides here is this team ends up like a 9-10 seed in the NCAA tournament because it's so up and down all year, and then they end up being a matchup problem for somebody. And so their record isn't necessarily a reflection of the team that they are in March just because enough of these freshmen came along that they catch somebody slipping in the tournament. 
Or the other side of that is what you were talking about, where it's too up and down all year, and they're an NIT team, and it is a wait till next year year. Context, context, as we do our preview after the start of the season. Ohio State was 33rd in the preseason AP poll. That was sixth among Big Ten teams. Ohio State, Joe Lunardi's preseason NCAA bracket on ESPN.com gave eight bids to the Big Ten. That was the most of any conference. He has Ohio State as a 10 seed. That was, uh, he had Indiana as a three, Michigan and Illinois as sixes, Purdue and Michigan State as sevens, Ohio State and Iowa as tens, and Rutgers as a 12. So that's talking about, hey, okay, like they're sliding in the back door a little bit here. Um, And again, just for context, NCAA seeds so far in the Holtman era, year one, they were a five, year two, they were an 11, year three, there was no tournament, they would have been probably a five or a six, year four, they were a two, but they lost in the first round, year five, they were a seven, so if they're projected, you just said, I think, like a 10 seed maybe, right, Stephen, I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. where Lenardi has them, that's what, that would be their second worst seed of the Holtman era, but they have mm-hmm. made... Again, you count the tournament, they would have made it. They've made the tournament five straight years with Chris Holtman, which ain't nothing, which I pointed out when they made the tournament a year ago. So let's keep this context. We do want to give people context of the Big Ten. This is a podcast about basketball for people who listen to a football podcast. If you have been digging in on Ohio State basketball podcasts or stories uh, for months and months and months, this will seem remedial to you. But uh, if you are a person in our Buckeye Talk audience who really loves Ohio State football, loves, ah, football. Oh, these guys are talking about football all the time. But again, no, I care about basketball. Maybe not that much until mid-January, until football's over. But then this is for you. So we'll take a quick break. When we come back, I do want to do lightning round of the 10 guys in the rotation. We'll get a Stephen Means breakdown on each of them next on Buckeye Talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Doug Maurice, Stephen Means back. Let's go through st- the starting lineup against Robert Morris uh, that was unveiled. Again, Eugene Brown uh, is out, but a lot of the rest of this is what we think it's going to be. And let's start with two guys that we already uh, did talk about. Isaac Likely, transfer. It's his fifth-year college basketball from Oklahoma State. He played 30 minutes. He scored nine points. He had six assists and nine rebounds. I'm looking for like a 60 to 90 second breakdown, Stephen, on each of these guys. You know, not really what they did against Robert Morris, but anything that you saw against Robert Morris that informed you about what kind of player you think they're going to be this year. He's short and he's tough. What's What more do you have to say about Isaac Likely? I think Isaac's the only one whose stat line from Robert Morris is very indicative of what he might do every single game. Because that's what he is. He can... He's really he's not that big, but he plays bigger than he than he looks. And I think <clears throat> I think part of the reason Holtman liked him. No, I don't think this. I know this is 
You go back to that Villanova game when Villanova was posting up its guards and Ohio State could do nothing about it because their backcourt was so little. So they, this, he's an upgrade from that in the sense of they've got a bigger physical guard who can handle when Villanova posts their guards and when anybody else in the Big Ten decides to do something physical with their guards, he can match up with that type of stuff while also this is just not the biggest team in the world, so you need guys who can play bigger than their actual size. So him having nine rebounds tonight, he can do that against – Illinois and Michigan State, just like he did it against Robert Morris. So that's the one guy where everything he did against Robert Morris, copy and paste that across like another 18 games this year because he's going to just do that. All right, Sean McNeil, as we mentioned before, he played 24 minutes against Robert Morris. He was two for five from the field, two for three on three-pointers, two assists, two fouls, six points total. Is he mostly going to shoot threes, or is he going to bring something else to the game, Stephen? He's going to shoot threes, and he's actually going to shoot the ball. He's a shooter who will shoot the ball. That was the frustration with Justin Arns the last few years is he's a good shooter who doesn't shoot the ball, but then he also doesn't make them in games when you need your shooter to shoot the ball and make shots. He can shoot them off. He's not you know, going to create his own shot a lot of the times, but he can also shoot them off the move. So you don't just have to throw him in a corner. You can bring him off skit, off screens and pin downs and move him around all over the place. And like he has 12 points last year. For Obviously, West Virginia wasn't one of the better teams in Big 12. They were actually the second worst team in the Big 12. But he is their shooter who can guard a little bit better than Justin Orange can. So he is a upgraded version of Justin Orange in this, in this system. I will tell you that he ended, Sean McNeil ended his West Virginia career. These were his final three games. Against TCU, he was two of nine on three, scored 10 points. Against Kansas State, he was seven of 10. No, actually, these are just overall from the field. Two of nine from the field, zero of five from three, 10 points. The next game, seven of 10 from the field, three of five for three, 21 points in a win over Kansas State. His last game, one of nine from the field, one of five for three for three points. He, like most shooters, right, can be a little streaky. And if he has yeah. one of those games where he's making everything, he's going to help this team. And if he has a game where he's not making anything, he's not going to do a ton of other things to help this team. When I call him Musket Arns, Musket, Musket Justin, people get mad and say he averaged 12.2 points a game at West Virginia. Have some respect. So I won't. I wouldn't call him that anymore. I'll just call him Sean because that's his name. I won't call him Musket Justin. The only freshman who started, Bruce Thornton, he is going to be right, like right in sort of the heart of uh, of this freshman class and what it does. Twenty four mm-hmm. minutes in his debut, one of four from the field, one of two from three, two rebounds, four assists, two turnovers, three points. What's Bruce Thornton going to do for this team? Yeah, top 50 recruit, number 48 player, the number 10 point guard in the 2022 class. He's really sound. He is he is calm. He's cool. He's collected. He is so much better than CJ Walker and Jamari Wheeler. And it's not going to show every night. Some nights his stat sheet is going to look similar to what those guys were. It'll be more efficient because he's a better basketball player than those two. But he is a sound point guard that really – I don't think Holtman's had since he's been here. He's had some decent guys, but they all had a ceiling that was very low. He's got a very high ceiling. And I think especially pairing him with Likely, who takes some of the pressure off of him sometimes, we're going to see that gradual growth with him. But very sound, very steady player. I was really impressed with what I saw from him tonight, regardless of what his stat sheet was. Four minutes left against a good Big Ten team. 
who's going to be running the offense? Who's going to have the ball Him. in the hands? Thornton or likely? He will. Thornton? He will. Definitely. Okay. But likely can take some of that pressure off during the course of the game so you're not making the freshman right. dribble 40,000 times uh, yep. every time out. Okay. Justice Suing, 24 minutes, 8 of 14 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3, 2 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 steals, 1 block, 2 turnovers, 20 points. He's had kind of an odd – well, he has had an odd career. He's a classic yeah. 2017 guy. He set out a whole year when he transferred from Cal to Ohio State. So this is his fifth year of college basketball of playing in a season, but he's actually been around for six years, and one of those years was last year when he basically played like two games and didn't do anything else. Is he going to be their leading scorer? 20 points in the opener as the leading scorer. Would you expect that's what that looks like most of the season? Probably, yeah, which is, I mean, the thing with him is, is he going to be healthy? Because it's always something. Even when he was playing, there was these little nicks and bruises that he would come up with. Uh, but, yeah, he should be their leading scorer. It's, I'm interested to watch him these, this, during the non-conference schedule because – I don't think he's been in a position where he's had to be this aggressive because even when he was at Cal, he was aggressive, but he wasn't the guy there. And then when he first gets here in his first season, he was eligible to play. He's the third option behind Dwayne Washington and EJ Liddell. And had he stayed healthy all last year, by the time we got to January, February, he would have been the third option behind EJ and Malachi. So this is the first time where the pressure is on him. He shot 14 shots tonight. They're going to need him to shoot 14 to 18 shots every single night. And I'm wondering if he can handle that one physically because he does have an injury history at this point. But then also just uh, you have played you played one season in the past three years, and can you handle going from one season in the past three years to all of a sudden you're the go-to guy and they need you to score every single night? So he's a I'm going to keep my eye on him, especially when they go to Maui for that term and they actually play some good basketball teams. All right, Zed Key, he's the center, 21 points, 4 of 5 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3, the first two three-pointers of his career, if I'm correct, Uh, 3 of 6 from the line, 10 rebounds, 13 points. Are they going to feel undersized again? Like, this guy's the center. Is that going to be a problem at some point, or can he carry enough of the load as the biggest guy in the starting lineup? I think the guy behind him helps out with that, but he's a little skinny, and we'll get to him when we get to him. I think, for the most part, yes, there will be some moments where they're undersized, especially against Michigan and Purdue. They're going to be undersized, but I think he's added a three-point shot. I mean, Ohio's first points of the season were a three-pointer from Zed Key, and it's just the most random thing in the world. But I think if he's truly added that three-point shot to his game, that matters for this team because they had 44 points in the paint tonight that were by people other than their two centers, which means that they're going to have a lot of guys in the perimeter who are going to be attacking, which means you need that big man to get out the way, but you also need the guy guarding him to get out the way. And the best way to do that is to have a big man who can shoot. So if he can do that, it spaces the floor even more and opens up those lanes for guys to attack. Um, the, this is only his third double double his career. So I'm not expecting him to be some double double guy, but I do, I am interested to see if that shooting thing was more of a, Oh, he just had a good shooting night tonight. Or if he's shooting two or three of them a game and if he's hitting them, what does that mean when they're playing a guy like Hunter Dickinson? Who can they, can he bring him out and force him to play on the perimeter, which opens things up for some of these guards? All right. The guy you're talking about behind him, that was the starting lineup. Felix Okpara. Am I saying the last name right? Yes. 6'11", one of the true freshmen in this class, 13 minutes in the opener, uh, four points, but 
is certainly at, at 6'11", is going to be a little bit of a presence. Two rebounds, one block in those 13 minutes. How much, how important is he to Ohio State maybe not feeling undersized? And how might you think Felix's role could grow over the course of the it, season? A, a solid rim protector. I, I, I'm worried about his size. He's only 210 pounds, so he's kind of... I mean, he's 210 pounds for a 6'11 guy is skinny, quite frankly. Even if for normal-sized people, that's a pretty big guy. I, I'm wondering, he's a great rim protector, but does that matter when you're playing? Once again, just like I said with Zed Key and how that helps against Hunter Dickinson, does this really help against Hunter Dickinson if he's just going to punish him down low all game? Yeah. So I am interested to watch it against real talent if he is a – wait till next year because there's a physical development that needs to happen. But they're going to need him, of course, in some games. And it's like tonight, uh, um, we're recording this Monday night against Robert Morris. He was, you know, changing some shots and, and enforcing some shots, some guys to change their shot in midair. So it's there. I just want to see what happens when he plays someone who's the same size as him, but is also bigger and stronger than him because they're older. All right. I don't know. I don't know if this guy's the most interesting guy on the team. He had 17 in his debut. Bryce Sensabaugh. Yes, 18 minutes, 5 of 8 from the field, 1 of 4 from 3, 6 of 8 from the foul line, 9 rebounds, 3 turnovers, 17 points. I think when they had their little dunk contest uh, out on the open courts next to Ohio Stadium a couple weeks ago, wasn't he doing all kinds of crazy dunk stuff? Is yeah. he like an instant offense guy? Is is what it, What is he? So he put up a bunch of points and he seems exciting, but like, what mm-hmm. is Bryce Sensabaugh? Yep. What is Bryce? He is the rawest talent on the team, and he's also the most talented player on the team. He is very good at basketball. He has no idea how to play basketball. <laughs> and that is a fun, interesting, and stressful place to live. He's going to have the 17 points, and he's going to have a 25 point game this year. I'm just telling you right now, it's going to happen. And then he's going to have two points the next night. You're going to go, what? What just happened here? What? Yep. Where's the 25? He is the, he's the poster child for what this team is and why you can't get too high or too low on this team because one he's he's big. He's a big kid. He's he's 6'6" 240. So he's still trying to get into the best shape of his life and talking to people in the program, talking to people around Bryce, it's like in high school it was just go get 30 and we're going to put you on the worst guy on the other teams so you can focus all your energy on going to get 30. It doesn't work quite like that at the college level. He doesn't know how to play defense. And I mean, he like doesn't know how to play. There was a lot of times out there where you could see it in his eyes. He was completely lost. And Robert Morris was scoring because of it. And he's just got to work through some of that stuff and learn how to play basketball. And so it is going to be an up and down thing with him. And Holtman is going to have to balance to let him rock and work through it. Let him rock because he's getting buckets right now versus like, dude, he's hurting you. You got to sit him. And you gotta, he's going to learn from the bench. And so... I'm very excited to watch Bryce Sensible. I think he is, he's an NBA player for sure, but he's not a one and done. But I think he might be a two and done if it ever, if the light ever comes on and how to play basketball, because he's very good at just going out, just rolling the ball, ball out there and say, Hey, can you go get me 15 points real quick? He'll very easily do that. Worked against Robert Morris. Uh, Roddy Gale Jr., he's actually the highest ranked guy in this freshman recruiting class. Yes. He, had uh, 15 minutes of action, three of five from the field, one of two from three, 
three rebounds, three assists, seven total points, two fouls, again, in 15 minutes for Roddy Gale Jr. How does he fit into this, and, and will this be a role that increases over the course of the season? It will. He's a really quality 3 and D guy for what he is as a freshman. I think he can grow into more of that. He can go create his own shot at times if necessary. But I think on the 2022-23 roster, what they need best from him is he's a very good defender at six foot four, 195 pounds, uh, and a very good sh- – if you like the Cleveland Cavaliers, it's what Cleveland was trying to do with Isaac Opora for a long time is like the three and D two guard yep. who can, who was very there. That's a perfect role for him in year one. And I, I, but there's also room for growth where he might be that this year, but then next year he's a 13 to 14 point scorer for this team. Then Tanner Holden, as we discussed uh 20 point score at Wright state last year, um, he just, he's not going to score 20 points a game here, but he's going to certainly no, he have not. a role 18 minutes, 12 points in 18 minutes is pretty good. He made every shot he took. He was five for five, three rebounds. Is he like the sixth man? Is he the guy that comes in and takes advantage of mismatches with the second unit? Yeah. Like what, what is Tanner Holden? Uh, yeah. I think that's what the plan is with him is that, cause then it's like at Wright state, he was the man Yeah, because he was better than everybody else. That's not going to work when you move up a level. You've got to kind of change your your approach a little bit. And so if you can put him in a position where he can be as much of what he was at right state while also doing it against like-minded talent, then you can maximize him there. So I, that role, that six-man role is one he should get very comfortable with. And uh, it's he's the new Justice Schilling, basically, as this guy who is a very good basketball player, but he is shouldn't be your your, your best player. Just like suing was in 2020, 2021. He wasn't their best player. That was Dwayne Washington and EJ. Tanner Holden's a very good player as long as he's your third or fourth best player. And if that's where this team gets to, then things are trending in the right direction. And then Eugene Brown, um, how long is he out? And how might his game and role expand when he does come back? He's in concussion protocol. protocol so that, that's, I mean... You know what concussion protocol is. It's up in the air. It's whenever he clears that. He is where this gets interesting because I think Roddy Gale is a better version of what they want from Eugene Brown. So it's going to be 10. If this gets to nine, I think that's where it gets interesting of like, okay, they give you the same thing, or at least they're supposed to, who's better at it. And I think it's going to be, and we see this all the time in sports. If there's two guys of equal talent, you go with the younger guy. And I thought maybe Eugene Brown was coming a little bit last year, and then it kind of yeah. – he came for it a little never bit, clicked. and then it kind of never really happened. So he, he might be in that position. I think that's that's well said by you that um, – because they're not really going to play, you know, 10 guys for 20 minutes each no. and have that be the rotation. There are going to be times. But you can so, sort of see Okpara needs to be the, the backup big. Sensabaugh is going to be like an instant offense guy if you can hide him on D – Holden is going to be your sixth man that you can kind of rely on. And then Gale or Brown as this three and D guy, I do think, I do think makes a lot of sense. And then like when Fortner likely is off the court, the other guy's the ball handler, right? Like the backup, the backup point, they're playing both their point guards together. Yep. And that, that will be the idea that one of those two guys will always be on the floor, right? Fortner mm-hmm. likely. Which is why they played 24 minutes the way they did tonight. It's bait. I mean, that's, a little more than 40 minutes, but it's you overlapped and then you 
staggered them after that. Okay. So that makes sense. It's a nice, solid little team, and four of the ten guys are true freshmen, very highly ranked freshmen, which certainly gives this this team some potential, but it is also not guys exploding off the page. And I was going to say, it's like one of those things, man, if you just still had, as you said, if you just had EJ Liddell and Malachi Branham, you'd be good to go. But also it's like, well, if you, had Jerry, both. if you had Jerry Lucas and Michael Red you'd, and the rest of these guys, you'd have a final <laughs> four team. It's like, well, you don't have them. Like, I don't know what, like, you're not that much closer. Malachi Branham, by the way, has played four games for the Spurs so far. Played 19 minutes, scored five points in his first game. Then his second game, he's played 23 minutes, scored 13 points, and got people kind of got really excited. Last two games, 14 minutes, two points, 23 minutes, four points. So, and that's for the Spurs who are terrible and are tanking. And he's certainly going to have opportunity, but um, also is not, you know, he didn't come in and set the NBA on fire, which most rookies do not. But again, you can play that game. And Holtman thought it. Holtman thought he'd be right. It's like, oh, that, who's your who's your number one? Well, the number one plays for the Spurs. So uh, that, I think it's a real thing that you can certainly take into consideration, but it's not going to help them win games this season. So that was our spin through the rotation and the guys who are going to play when we come back. We'll put this team in a little more context after this on Buckeye Talk. Doug and Steven back, and there was, this is, of course, I'm going to bring this up, but there was a photo on Twitter. Butler won its opener against New Orleans on Monday night. (laughs) And there's a photo of Thad Mata, new Butler coach, with his director of recruiting, John Diebler, his director of basketball operations, Greg Oden, and former Mm. Buckeyes, Mark Titus, Evan Turner, and William Buford, who were kind of just hanging out in Indy, hanging out with Thad. So uh, that is that reality. This reality is Ohio State. It could get hairy early. Stephen, because their Maui schedule, they have three easy games to start, including this Robert Morris game, right? Then they're going to Maui. That's Hawaii. They're playing San Diego State. San Diego State was 19th in the preseason AP poll. Then they might play Arizona. I think Arizona was 17th. And then they have regular season games when they get back to the continental United States against Duke and North Carolina. Duke is seven and Carolina's one. So there are four non-conference losses staring them in the face right now. If they can avoid mm-hmm. even one of those, I think that would be an accomplishment. As much as Ohio State has had sort of weird seasons, they've had they have not had NCAA tournament success. They've had these lags in the middle of winter, right when Pete when football's over and people start tuning in. You tune in and they kind of start disappointing you. But they've they've had these big non-conference wins under Chris Holtman that really get people's attention, including Duke last year, right? Didn't they beat Duke last year, right? So is this team, those four games, Stephen, this team right now, is it set up to steal a game like that? Or if if you're, you know, I don't know, could Bryce Sensabaugh score 26 against Duke, right? I don't know. Could, Could Bruce Thornton go crazy against San Diego State? Like, could this team do that? Or is it just too many moving pieces, too many new parts, and they're going to be like six and five or whatever in non-conference play and then try to get it together in the Big Ten? So the problem is none of those games are in Columbus. 
Yeah. The North Carolina one's a neutral site game. The San Diego State one's in uh, Maui and Duke's at Duke this year. So yeah. it lessens the chances of you doing that. Cause that's the thing. His two wins over number one team ranked teams, Duke and Michigan State were both home games. So you don't have that this year. If I had to say the most likely one to win is probably the San Diego State one, just cause I don't think this team is going to go on the Duke and win that one. And North Carolina is the best team in the country. So maybe you catch San Diego state slipping a little bit in Maui and you get that one. But I think the best this team will be able to do, especially in that North Carolina game, because it is a neutral site game. If that game is interesting and it's a, let's just say they, they lose, but it's 74 to 69. It's like, okay, you can see it coming. They put up a really good fight against a team who might win a national championship this year. And you saw the upside, even if the reason they lost is because of everything that they're not yet. That's what you hold on to. So I, we've seen Ohio State put together these really quality non-conference schedules for ba- at least as long as I've been on the beat. I don't think it's going to be quite flawless the same way to where this team is rolling in the January and they're like the eighth ranked team in the country. Thursday versus Charleston, uh, Charleston Southern. Then the next Wednesday, November 16th, uh, against Eastern Illinois. Then it is off to Hawaii, where they will open against San Diego State on Monday the 21st. And then they'll play a couple more games there. They get home. They play Duke on the Wednesday after Thanksgiving. That is at Duke on November 30th. Uh, and then North Carolina is, as you said, a neutral site game on December 17th. And then they, they play one early Big Ten game against Rutgers on December 8th. They get into the, the rest of the Big Ten schedule starting on New Year's Day at Northwestern at 730. That's how everybody wants to spend their New Year's Day. At <laughs> Northwestern at 730 after Ohio State football has very, very quite possibly played in a college football semifinal on New Year's Eve. So that's when they'll get into that. And it does feel like, Stephen that the Big Ten is a little open for business this year. Um, Only three teams from the Big Ten in the preseason AP Top 25. Indiana was 13th. Michigan was 22nd. Illinois was 23rd. There's a guy that I worked with at my first job out of college in 1995 and 1996. And at the, the suburban Chicago paper I worked for, he was our Chicago Bears writer. And he just loved to gamble, like back then. And he was just like, I want to move to Vegas because I love gambling. And I was like, cool, that's cool. So he moved to Vegas and he kind of, he got a job as a sports writer there. And now he's like a gambling guy in Vegas. And I follow him because I knew him in 1995 and 1996. And I just was looking at Twitter uh, on Monday and he was tweeting things out for the start of the college basketball season. And he was tweeting out some of the bets he made. And one of the bets he made was Ohio State to win the Big Ten at 11-1. to 1. And I was like, all right, well, if humans likes it, I don't know. I mean, the guy moved to Vegas because he likes gambling and has made a career as a gambling journalist at, a, at reputable Vegas publications. Looking at the, at the odds, like the, the betting odds, Indiana is the Big Ten favorite at plus 350, which is three and a half to one. Michigan, four and a half to one. Illinois, five and a half to one. Iowa, six to one. Purdue, seven to one. Ohio State, 11 to one. Then it drops down to Wisconsin at 18 to one, and everybody else is in the 30s. So Ohio State's kind of like that middle of the pack team. And again, four freshmen and three transfers in the 10-man rotation. Is is my old friend Matt Humans on to something here? Steven Means? Like, what do you, like, is this... 
the exact thing of like, hey, they're young, they're going to struggle, but I can see. Because you get in, like, who would you, who's like, oh, they can't beat them? Oh, they're not going to. Now, I know mm-hmm. Indiana has like, you know, a first team All Big Ten guy and maybe the freshman of the year, and Michigan has Hunter Dickinson, and Illinois has a bunch of guys. But there's not a top 10 team in the Big Ten in the preseason. There's not a, there's not a dominant force that's like, oh, well, well, I don't know. It, do you feel like the Big Ten is open a little bit? Is there, a, is there a window that Ohio State could crawl through if they get this thing together by January? There's a chance that the Big Ten cannibalizes itself again, like we've seen in years past. And 11-1 is not bad odds, actually. That's, that, I, I, I'll take that. To me, if it feels like to, you're throwing money away. To me, it feels like you're absolutely flushing money down the toilet. But yeah, it I does. don't know. I don't know. It's it's one of those, like, you put a dollar on the table, yeah. and you just kind of walk away and live with it. It's like, oh, I just won a million dollars. It's definitely well, I, that. I mean, you would win $11. You would win 11 in this case. You'd be like, hey, <laughs> yes, I won $11. Woo, yeah. $11. So it's, I don't it's, uh, I would not put money on that. Okay. Because if the Big Ten is cannibalizing itself, it means that the teams in the middle are really, really feeling that. And Ohio State's one of those teams in the middle. Because even when it cannibalizes itself, the cream still eventually rise to the top. The good thing is they only have Michigan once this year, but they've got Illinois twice. And they've got Indiana. They've only got Indiana once too, but having Illinois twice and Iowa will be tough because I know they lost – Keenan, Keenan, I don't know if it was Keon or Keenan, but they lost one of the Murray twins, but the other one stayed. Right. And he's pretty good too. So, no, this team is probably, their record's going to be in the middle of the pack. Just because they're going to, now they're going to beat, they might beat Indiana or Illinois at one of, in one of those games. Or they might beat Michigan. And it's going to mean absolutely nothing because they're still going to be closer to, you know, 11 and 9 or something like that in the Big Ten. Preseason Big Ten media poll, again, as conducted by the Columbus Dispatch and the Athletic. Indiana 1, Illinois 2, Michigan 3, Michigan State 4, Purdue 5, Ohio State 6, Iowa 7, Rutgers 8, Wisconsin 9. Again, Chris Holtman's career at Ohio State, year 1, 15 and 3 in the Big Ten, tied for second. Year 2, 8 and 12 in the Big Ten, tied for eighth. Year 3, 11 and 9 in the Big Ten, tied for fifth. Year 4, 12 and 8 in the Big Ten, fifth. Year five, 12 and eight in the Big Ten, tied for fourth. So, would you, right, that really good year off the jump, 15 and three, left some pretty good players in Kata Bates D up and Jay Sean Tate, 15 and three, and also coached them up and also coached them up. Did a really good yep. job. And also, the Big Ten was a little bit down that year. Um, reset, eight and 12, step back where kind of like the, the late Thad Mata recruiting misses came home to roost. But the mm-hmm. last three years, 11 and 9, 12 and 8, 12 and 8 in the Big Ten, fifth, fifth, fourth. Does it feel like that's where we are? Does it feel like they will? Would you bet that they are somewhere between 8 and 12 and 12 and 8? Is that the range for their Big Ten record? And are they somewhere between fourth and seventh? Like, are they a solidly middle of the pack, slightly upper middle of the pack Big Ten teams? Or could it, could it go one way or the other a little bit further than that? I'd be shocked if they're fourth. Eight and 12 to 12 and eight is their range. And I think maybe the four 12 to seven range is fine, but I'd lean closer to seven than I would four. Okay. And I might feel differently than that heading into January. But right now, 
it's gonna it's too much of a roller coaster and roller coaster typically means sixth or seventh or maybe even eighth in the conference so this is dangerous territory because as soon as you predict something in college sports not just basketball these days you're yeah. certainly going to be wrong because these are young men these are their careers they get one shot at this they owe it to themselves to take advantage of situations and and put themselves in the best position possible but as we sit here now, one game into Ohio State's basketball season, would you expect that Bruce Thornton, Bryce Sensabaugh, Felix Okpara, Roddy Gale, and uh, is it Bowen Hardman? Is he the fifth guy in this freshman he class? Is. Would you expect that they are all on the team as second-year players in 2023-2024? I expect four of them to still be on the team. The first four? Yes. Maybe the yes. other guy. Okay. But like – Nobody, your expectation as we sit here right now, everybody's feeling great. Hey, you beat Robert Morris, is mm -hmm. nobody leaves for the NBA and nobody gets squeezed or has us gets upset about something where they wind up transferring. They would have a core yes. four of all of these guys back in year two. Okay, yeah. that's a reasonable expectation. And again, why would you, why wouldn't you, who knew, right? Who, if you, if we had this conversation a year ago and I said, Malachi Branham back in year two, you would have said, Almost certainly, yes, right? Who mm -hmm. knew what was coming? So if that happens, and I guess Zed Key would still be around, right? And I guess, mm -hmm. and Tanner Holden could still be around. And then they have a couple mm -hmm. more guys coming in. Would you feel pretty good about the team a year from now and also the direction of the program if it's like, hey, what's the deal with the 2023-24 Ohio State Buckeyes basketball team? Well, the deal is they have these four second-year guys who were all highly ranked and they are now the foundation of this team. Would you feel pretty good about that? Or is it like, eh, that's a good start, but they still need to add some stuff. It's like significant no. stuff. No, I'd feel really good about that. Cause then they're going to throw another top five recruiting class on top of that. And those guys are going to be, uh, they're going to be going through what these freshmen are going through this year, except without having to be pushed to the forefront while also doing it because these guys are still here. So I feel next year's team better get to the Elite Eight. Okay. Barring all everything that we think is going to happen, happens. That group currently ranked fifth in the country as a recruiting class in the class of 2023. Three of the four guys who are in are top 50 national players, including Devin Royal from down the road at uh, Pickerington Central, but also Scotty Middleton and uh, Tayson Chapman. So you would be adding those three guys who seems like they would come in ready to play to the other core four, and you would potentially be in a world where a year from now we're talking about an eight-man rotation that's four second-year guys, three true freshmen, and Tanner Holden. And like, and maybe Zed Key. And Zed Key, that's your nine, mm -hmm. right? And it's like, let's go. And <laughs> if that's the case, then we would officially be at the point in year seven of the Chris Holtman era when it will be go time. <laughs> Year seven is go time. We can print the shirts. Year seven is go time. But maybe it's not year six. It doesn't. And but like maybe and as like Nathan makes this point all the time in football, it's like by the end of the year, the end of the previous season, you kind of are what next season's team is going to be in some ways. Yeah. Right. So if 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 people are excited about what this team might be a year from now, well, they may start being that team by the middle of February. And then if they are, then here we are, you get in the tournament and all of a sudden you're a tough matchup for people. So I, is it fair that tamp down expectations a little bit now, but have some hope for the future and maybe the future gets here by March? 
Yes, because tamping down your expectations this year will also allow you to be to watch this team with a little bit more enjoyment, which I think is part of the basketball team when you're coming off the stress that is Ohio State football and why can't they run the ball and why can't they play defense and why won't CJ run and all these other things is you should be able to enjoy this a little bit more. So be okay with the ugly and the pretty and just enjoy it. And before you know it, you'll blink and it'll be March. Okay. And, and before, and then after that you blink and there might be like seven really legit young dudes on this roster together a year from now. And then they really might be on to something. So Chris Holtman is cross your fingers, hang on tight. And, not that you aren't hoping for success for your players, but they maybe let's not have anybody make a surprise NBA leap. And he, he mm-hmm. and his staff will work their butts off to keep everybody happy, to develop everybody, to give everybody playing time that makes them feel valued and worthy and keeps them in Columbus. And then year seven is go time. Okay, so you think there's a chance. And I do think, listen, that can be really valuable. It should be fun to watch basketball, and I do think that's some of the problem that I've had with the Chris Holtman stuff is like, are there players that you can grasp onto? Is there things Mm -hmm. that they do that are reliable? Are they exciting? Is there a style? Is there anything? And it's like, well, Malachi Brandon was good, and EJ Liddell was a solid guy, but maybe the enjoyment factor has a chance to ramp up here. Yeah, guys can do exciting things. It's not fun to watch a team play boring basketball that's outdated, and they're also losing. It's at least fun to watch, even if they're losing, if guys are getting up and down the court and dunking and throwing alley-oops and you know throwing up threes. This was fun to watch tonight because they were getting up and down the court and there were multiple guys who could do stuff. So it didn't feel bogged. It didn't feel like, I just want to go to bed. Yeah. Why am I here watching that? That's not what I watched tonight. So if you're going to lose, at least make it look fun. And that this That's team real. is going to make it look fun. Because guess what? You do lose in basketball. Like in football, Ohio State's not supposed to lose ever. In basketball, Mm -hmm. you're designed to lose. So you are going to lose, but at least lose fun. And and maybe upset some people along the way and maybe peak at the end of the year instead of kind of fall off a cliff at the end of the year. Okay, that's it for basketball. We'll talk to you again about basketball next November. No, I'm kidding. We'll, you know, we'll we'll check in from time to time. We know primarily this is a football audience, but you also care about Ohio State and their season is underway. One and zero against Robert Morris and they're going to Hawaii soon. We'll be back on Wednesday with the Rants pod. We have plenty of other stuff planned for later in the week. Of course, Ohio State hosting Indiana in football at noon on Saturday. But for now, for Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.